For those of you that may be visiting, we are expounding the Word of God, and we take it in its context, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We are in the book of Titus at the moment. We are in the third chapter, and I will be reading from verse 7 this morning with our time that we have. There we read this. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and just rejoice with these candidates today in the lives that you've changed for all eternity. We thank you and praise you for that. We thank you that your grace is still being shed abroad, though many do not recognize it. We thank you and praise you for this time of year that we can sing such songs and be reminded of the miraculous work that you did. And I pray, Father, with these few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would use the word of God in our life. Might it be that sword that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Might it get right down to the thoughts and the intents of our heart. You know where every one of us are thinking. In this room, we all have different thoughts and different schedules and things we are involved with. But I pray that you'd quiet our hearts and that the Spirit of God would be able to challenge us from the word of God as we look into it, for we know that thy word is truth. And we thank you for this opportunity to study and to hear and to read the truth of the word of God. We commit our study to you, thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. A brief message this morning. We've entitled it, Heirs of God. I took it right from the context, obviously, as you heard me read that, where it says that we would be made heirs according to to the hope of eternal life. In this letter, Paul is writing to Titus, just briefly to give you a background, encouraging him to live for God, encouraging him to set up leadership, and instructing him on how people in the island of Crete were to live for God. We are in the very last chapter of this book where he's winding it down, and he makes this statement in verse 7 about being an heir. Who is an heir? You notice what he says in verse 7. Look at it for yourselves. He says, we would be made heirs. He includes himself. He includes himself as an apostle. He includes Titus, whom he's writing to. He includes really believers there. Now what is an heir? We might understand that in you know, with my New England accent, we're not talking A-I-R, we're talking H-E-I-R, we're talking an heir. So what is that? It is really one who receives a right, a right of property, a right of money, a title, a rank from a deceased person. One who is entitled to something, that's what an heir is, Entitled to something that he or she did not own. They didn't own it, but now they're entitled to it. Either the money, the, the, as I said, or the property, or a particular rank. It was owned by another, but it has now become their property. And God says that we are heirs. We, in the same sense, are given title to something that was not ours. How did it happen? It's a legitimate question. How do we become an heir? Normally, to become an heir in this life, it is done so through a legal document. 
It is a legal document. Most of us know it as a will. Some of the bigger entities and the bigger things that have been passed on, they know it as endowments. It keeps a lot of the institutions that are educational institutions going. And it's which they have received by basis of a legal document the benefits of someone who has deceased. Usually, it is because they are a relative, that's the most common one we're familiar with, or it's because maybe they were a special friend, or it could be that they were not a friend and they were not a relative, but they wanted to give it to a certain organization or a certain individual just out of the generosity of their heart for whatever personal reasons they had. But as believers, there's not per se a will like that. How does this happen? He tells us right there in the passage. There's no guessing. He says, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs. It happened through the process of having been justified. What does that mean? It's a big word, justified. Well, we can probably guess pretty well because the first part of it has the word just in it. It is to be declared, to be, to be declared righteous. It means to be declared or made righteous, to be made just. We have become heirs of God, those who have trusted in Christ, I will get back to that, by being declared just by being declared righteous. Well, how does that happen? Again, I already read it to you. Look at the verse. By his grace. Whose grace? God's grace. It is by the grace of God that a person is declared righteous and then becomes an heir. That's what it says. And if we just stop here, we get some very important points that we need to consider. What is it? We didn't earn it. Most people, as we are going through life, you heard some of the testimonies here today, going through life and searching, and they're trying different things, hoping that by doing certain things, and that is where, quote unquote, religion comes in. All religions of the world. What do you mean? It's a process by which we're hoping that if we do something, and if we follow obligations of a certain religion, we follow a pattern of doing certain things, we can obtain or earn, if you will, the favor of God and hopefully someday get to heaven. Well, it doesn't work that way. On whose authority? On God's authority. To not be in, in heaven, we have to be an heir. We have to inherit that. How do we get that? By God declaring us righteous, by him doing it. Well, how does he declare us righteous? We don't earn it. Going to church, being here today, will not earn you favor with God. We don't earn it by helping our neighbor. Those are good things, by the way. It's a good thing to come out to a local assembly. It's a good thing to read your Bible. It's a good thing to help other people and to be kind. But that will not earn you justification. That will not make you just. That will not earn you favor with God. He has to give it to us. Notice what it says in the passage. We studied this last week. Go back to verse 3. It says, we, notice again he says that, for we. Paul's including himself. For we also once, watch, here was 
the life. You heard the testimonies today. Here was the life. We were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life, what, in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. That is the life of human beings, period. And you may look at that list and say, well, I didn't do this one, or I didn't do that one. Well, I won't go on at length today, but I would say, while you may be thinking that way, you've committed a violation of God's law, you're a sinner. In fact, you might say, I haven't hated anyone. Oh, you probably have in your heart. Say, I never murdered anyone. You probably have in your heart. You probably didn't do it physically, but you thought you wanted to. That's sin. That's a violation of God's law. That makes you unjust. That makes you unholy. And Paul says we all had our manner of life that way, and he includes himself. And if you know a little bit about the life of Paul, you know what he's talking about. If you don't, let me help you. He was a religious man. He knew the Jewish law inside and out. He tried to obey, if you will, the Ten Commandments. And if you were to talk to the average person today, that's their thinking. As long as I obey the Ten Commandments. Paul knew them upside down and inside out and tried to obey them. And what did he say? He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it in his heart. There was that lust. There was the envy. There was that part of him that just wanted what he wanted. He didn't want the things of God. And that's why the scriptures say, we've all fallen short of God's righteousness. All of us. Including Paul as a writer. And that was his life. But then something took place. Something took place. We are all sinners. We are all unjust. But you notice in verse 4 it says, but when the kindness of God, it was all on the action of God. But when the kindness of God, watch verse 4, our Savior. Most people in this world are walking around without realizing they even need a Savior. You know, if you've ever had an instance of seeing someone that had to be saved from a swimming pool or uh, maybe a lake or something, they usually know they're going down. I remember when I was a little boy, my dad was still alive. In fact, it was a local pond. It was Kingston, if you want to know where it was. It was a state park, and we went up there. We used to go there on Sundays. And I somehow drifted behind my dad, and I fell off an area where it dropped off. My dad didn't even know I was drowning. I was. By the grace of God, as a little boy, he put in my mind, go all the way down to the bottom and spring as hard as you can. There was no voice, but that's the thought that came into my mind as I was swallowing that water, and my dad was only about three feet away. Didn't even know. But I knew I needed something. And I went all the way down, I sprang forth and reached, and I ended up on my dad's back, and he didn't know what was going on until he saw my face, and he saw the water coming out and the choking. I knew I needed to be saved, physically. But a lot of people are walking around, and they don't even know that they need to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. None of us are in the presence of God. And, and you say, well, I haven't seen God. You can't get into his presence. Why? Because of your sin. In order to be in the presence of a holy God, and people's concept of God is that he's just someone that's up there. When I need him, I'll call to him. And I can tell you as a pastor, I have been at many a hospital 
many a situation in which people who wanted nothing to do with God, when they realized their life was on the line, all of a sudden they were crying, hoping there was a God. And they cried out to him, and they think he's just supposed to respond. No, the reason we're not in his presence, just like Adam and Eve, that is a true story, got cast from his presence, it was because of disobedience to God. Unrighteousness. We are unrighteous. We are unholy. It's interesting, just this past week, I heard them mention, I was in the back, the girls' basketball game. Uh, I know most of the officials uh, in probably this whole region, but one of them in particular I was talking with, and he came, it was interesting, he came to me, he was doing the boys' game, but he came to me and we talked a little bit about a few things, and he said, Dan, I want to talk to you. He said, would you pray for a particular situation when I won't tell you what it is right now, but would you pray for this situation? I said, absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's interesting because this guy basically wants nothing to do with God or didn't want anything to do with God. And Scott and I are in the process of trying to work a situation where we can get out to lunch with him and another official. who are in a very difficult situation. Why? Because they need to see they're lost and they don't know it. But what happens? We can't earn it. We are sinners. And God has to reach down to us. We're talking in a day and age in which zombies become a big thing and the walking dead. You know what the reality is? And there's probably some right in this room. Only I won't call them the walking dead. I'll call them the sitting dead. Okay, what do you mean? You know, you're, not get, you're getting kind of mean with me, Pastor. No, no, I'm trying to help you out of love. There's a lot of people that are walking around that are physically alive that don't know they are spiritually dead and without hope. And like we heard in one of the testimonies today, look to the mortality of their life and realize I am going to die. You are. Then what? And the reason you don't know is because in there, there's no relationship with God. But God took the action. These people that here get baptized today, I want, don't want you to misunderstand anything. Now, again, my background was Roman Catholic, so as I was growing up, I was baptized when I was a little baby, never even knew it. Okay? But baptism has nothing to do with salvation. None of them. You'll notice I asked every single one of the candidates, are you trusting in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection as the only basis of your salvation? Why? Because it was the act of God out of his kindness. He, look at it again, verse 4. Our Savior, look at verse 5, he saved us. We didn't even know we needed it at the time. But we are all sinners. And if I've never met you today and you're visiting, I know one thing for sure. You are a sinner. The world doesn't want to talk about sin. Listen, you need this message. Why? Because your eternity is in the balance. You will die. And nothing you can do can earn you a right relationship with God. Nothing that any man could. Nothing that any religion can offer. This church can't offer it. It is the person of Jesus Christ. God sent his son into the world. Listen carefully. God so loved us. People talk, where's the love of God with all the stuff that's going on in this world? Listen, what you're seeing with the stuff that's going on in this world is a result of sin. It is what man is doing. God isn't doing that. God's love was seen in that he sent his only begotten son, his unique son. He himself came into this world 
took on flesh. We call it Christmas. We call it the babe. We sing these songs. Who is that? The scriptures tell us God in the flesh. He had to save us himself. Why? Because he is holy and righteous. Why did he have to do that? Listen, the wages, the consequences, the reward, whatever term you want to put on there, the scripture uses the term wages. The wages of sin is what? Death. When I, you heard again some talk about work. When we go to work, we expect something in return, a paycheck, right? Yes. What is the paycheck for sin? Death. And that's why we will all experience it, because we are all sinners. What about spiritually? That's why we're not in the presence of God. Can I be in the presence of God? Yes, only if he were to save us, and he did. And he chose to do it through the person of Jesus Christ. And so he sent his son. Notice that, verse 4 and 5. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind, where is the love? Here it is. He saved us, not, verse 5, on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. Why? We don't have any. We can't say that I'm justified on my own. No. God has to declare that. You notice what it says. But, contrast, according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And you say, what does all of that mean? Look at verse 6. Whom he poured out us richly, how? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's the Savior. His Son came into the world not to just be a baby, not so that we could have a great time at Christmas time and have celebration. He came into the world because God loved us, and he paid the penalty and price of sin with his own death. The difference is we are sinners. He knew no sin. But what happened? He became sin for us. He took upon him to pay the penalty, to pay the debt. The debt is paid in full. If you have any type of mortgage or loan or debt, school debt, wouldn't you love it if somebody would just wipe it out? I would. Debt free, right? How does that happen? With God, we have a debt. What is it? We're sinners. We cannot get into the presence of God. And worse, not only have we now been separated, we can't earn it. But God says, I'll take care of it myself out of my love for you. And he sent his son, and he paid the debt in full. And when he died, he said, it is finished. Those are the last words, Jesus Christ on the cross. It is finished. And then he gave up his spirit. What's finished? Salvation has been paid for only through Jesus Christ. That is why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. How can he say that? Because God sent him. Because that's the way salvation is provided and only through the person of Jesus Christ. So it isn't baptism. It isn't communion. It isn't any true church ordinance. It is the work of God totally. And you notice it's out of his love and kindness and out of his grace. It is a gift. Go with me to one other passage this morning. Go with me to Romans chapter 3. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 3 in your Bibles.
in Romans chapter 3. I'll pick it up beginning in verse 19. Watch this. Tremendous encouragement. Maybe you've never heard this before. Listen, verse 19. And don't believe what I'm saying, by the way. Look at it yourselves. See what it says. And, I, and the reason I say that, let me give you a little bit of personal testimony for some of you that don't know me. I grew up in this area, by the way. I'm a graduate of Central Catholic High School, St. Patrick's Grammar School. And why do I bring that up? I studied the Bible. I studied the Bible, but I didn't know it. I believed it was a religious document, and, but I didn't know it. In fact, I'll be honest with you, we took some courses to study to, to try to disprove it. And I, and I never, yeah, I had it, but I never saw it for myself until the Lord, in his wisdom, let me read the Bible, and I saw it. So look for yourselves. Here's what it says. Now we know, what? That whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed. You notice that? People say, I want to keep the Ten Commandments. Do you know why the Ten Commandments are there? You want to really know why? To show you you can't keep it. That's what he says. It's to shut your mouth up. Oh, I can, uh, I will never commit adultery. Yeah? Do you ever believe, do you ever think in your heart, a lust after another person? You've done it already. I would never commit murder. Do you ever hate anybody in your heart? Or wish you could do something, but you didn't? You already did it. You have a lie in your heart, it's on and go. It's to show you you can't do it. And also to point you to Christ. That's what it says. So that every mouth may be stopped. Watch this. I don't know if that means me too. And all the world may become what? Accountable to God. I am accountable. And I found, my, I found myself when I was younger, growing up, I went to church all the time. We had a religious family. And, and, uh, and, and even as I went to college, by the way, I had a great day yesterday in the sense of this. Uh, the high school I graduated from won the Super Bowl in Massachusetts. The college I graduated from just won the national championship in soccer yesterday. So I felt pretty good on my alma maters. But I wasn't a part of any of it. But um, so anyway, uh, all of that didn't do anything. All it did was make me guilty before God. Why? Watch, verse 20. Because by the works of the law, listen, these weren't just my words, no flesh. Are you flesh and blood today? You look like you are. I don't think you're fooling me. Right? What does it say? No flesh will be justified in his sight. You see that? That's where we started in our passage in Titus. No flesh, no human being can be justified in his sight. How? By keeping Ten Commandments, by keeping the law, because all it's going to show you is you can't do it. And I would be guaranteed that if I asked you if you could name the Ten Commandments, you probably couldn't even name them all, most of you. And I mean most of you. For through the law comes what? Notice that, verse 20. All that does is show you what sin is. That shows you what God doesn't want you to do. He says, I want you to put no other God before me. Anything that you put before him in your personal life, be that job, be that a spouse, be that your parents, be that your career, anything you put before him, you've already violated the law of God right away. He says it's to show you that you get the knowledge of sin, what violates God's law. But now watch this. This is tremendous. Verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God, that's justice. That's the justice. The righteousness of God has been manif manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Why? It points to how holy God is, even the righteousness of God. Now, how do, how do I get it? Here it is. Through faith. Where? In Jesus Christ. For all those who 
believe. For there is no distinction. Why? Here it is again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There isn't anyone. And by the way, notice that. It is the whole world. Everybody has come short of the glory of God. Well, then how do I get justified? That's where we started. Look at verse 24. Being justified, what's the next word say? As a gift. How? By his grace. How does that happen? Through the redemption. What do you mean redemption? That's where you purchase something. That's where you bring something back like coupons. You ladies with coupons, right? You redeem it and you get it back. How do we do that? Redemption, how does it come? Through Christ Jesus. Notice this. Who God displayed publicly to be a propitiation. That's a very big word to say this. That he satisfied God's righteousness. How did he do it? Right there in his blood. Through faith, this was to demonstrate the righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he, watch this, he would be just and the justifier of who? Of the one who has faith in Jesus. What's Paul saying to Titus? He's saying we're heirs. Isn't that tremendous? How do we get there? By the grace of God. How does he do that? Simply by his mercy and his kindness and his love. Well, how do I get it assigned to me through faith? You say, I knew there was a trick. No, there's no trick. As I just told and taught the seniors in this high school and juniors, everybody has faith. You either have faith in yourself, your career, your own thinking, your own upbringing, whatever it is, and God says, no, you put that faith in what I'm telling you, that I am the only Savior, and that my son was the sacrifice that paid the penalty. How do I know I'm going to heaven? How do these three candidates know they're going to heaven? It isn't because they got baptized. It's because they trusted in the shed blood by faith of Jesus Christ. And I can stand here right in front of you and say, I know when I die, I will be in heaven in the presence of God. Why? Not because of anything. If I was standing before God, he said, why should I let you in? And there is no pearly gates where Peter's there and says, let me see a ticket. There is none. But God's there. Why should I let you in? God, I don't deserve it. I am a sinner. But you told me in your word that your son died in my place and paid the penalty for my sin. And I, by faith, believe that. Come on in. Christ, it says in the scriptures, is the door. He's the way. You come in. You are justified not because of what you did, but because of what I did for you through my son. And you put your faith in it. And you believed it. And it's not just believing facts about Jesus Christ. It's giving our life to him. What a tremendous thing. Now, I haven't got the time because my time's gone away, but let me, let me say this. Uh, what type of inheritance do we have? Right now, we have the righteousness of God. I have other passages on that. We have eternal life. Ephesians tells us we have the Holy Spirit. But let me get down to this. What an inheritance we got. Let me just give you a little glimpse. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 just for a second. What an encouragement Peter is to us. What Peter? This is the Peter that denied the Lord. This is the Peter that had to put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Peter who was an apostle. 
not a pope. This is a Peter who was a sinner, not a self-righteous man in the long run. And what does he say? Well, for time's sake, 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this again. Here it is. It's over and over throughout the scriptures. Who according to his great mercy, he caused us, what? To be born again, to be born from above, to have a new life. Watch this. To a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that we are the only ones that have a risen Savior? No other religion in the face of the earth has a risen Savior. And he was seen alive. I want you to know something else. Listen to this. It's a fact. No other religion on the face of the earth has salvation as a gift. They're all trying to earn their way to please God. The only thing that counts is God's method, and he saved us. But look at this. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Watch this. To obtain an inheritance. Did we just read in Titus where it is? What's this one like? Imperishable. Undefiled. And it will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. And we are protected by the power of God through Jesus Christ for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. How do we get that inheritance? God gives it. How do we appropriate it to ourselves? By faith and faith alone. Salvation's a free gift. We don't earn it. Christ did it. And by exercising faith in him, that's an inheritance. I don't have time to go into it all this morning, but I will tell you, you truly have forgiveness of sins. I can't give you forgiveness of sins. Clergy can't give you forgiveness of sins. Only Jesus Christ can give you forgiveness of sins, and only he can satisfy the righteousness of the Father, which he did do. But he became sin so that we, through faith in him, someone that died, was buried, and you just heard it again, was resurrected by putting faith in him, can have forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life, new life, and an inheritance to be enjoyed now, but that will go on for all eternity. And you know what? The life is eternal. Did you know that while you will die physically, everyone in this room will also live forever? You say, what? Mm-hmm. I haven't got the time to go through all the verses right now because we're at the end of the service. But you will, the real you that people know, they're looking at the physical, but the real person that you know, your personality, who you really are, will live on for eternity, either in the presence of God forever or in a real place called the lake of fire, which is known by us as hell. You say, I don't believe it. You don't have to. Because whether you believe it or not doesn't change the fact that it's true. And the only way you will be in the presence of God is if you personally put faith and accept that free gift of justification, of being declared righteous by God, not because of what you've done, but what his son has done. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for these testimonies today. <clears throat> I just rejoice in hearing people whose lives you've changed. The real person's been changed because of the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you and praise you that by your grace, even in my own personal life, you brought me from the place of darkness 
and death unto life, not because of what I've done, not because of what this church has done, not because of what anyone else did, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, your son. I thank you for opening my eyes and my heart's prayer is that anyone in this room that hasn't come to Christ, that right now you'd be convicting in their heart and they knowing that they not assured of their next breath, that you would bring them to the personal salvation by accepting your free gift of salvation through your son. That they might believe on him right here, right in this place. And as believers, Father, who have trusted in him, I pray that you'd help us to live as heirs. So often our lives are tragedies. Even as believers, we don't walk with you as we should. We don't rejoice in being an heir the way we should. But help us, Father, to live for you, to give the glory to you. Might others see Christ in us. Might our joy be full that you would get all the honor and glory. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, there's a lot going on today. But very quick.